Ah, greetings, oh powerful and glorious Martin Chatwin. My goodness, only half the men I remember. You know what happens if you stay in Fillory. I know, I know. I'm leaving. I'm going. I just had one or two things to do. Mainly number two. I have befouled the wellspring. Pardon me? I have left my divine elimination in the font of all magic. And it's a stinker. I really hope you weren't planning to drink from it. It's hardly potable. You... you what? Left my... leavings. A godly floater. <laughs> Behind. In the wellspring. I pooped in it. Um, am I not making this very clear? <laughs> well, welcome everyone to episode 203 of Physical Kids Weekly. This one's called Divine Elimination. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And this week we are thrilled to introduce a very, very special guest. Olivia Taylor Dudley, who plays Alice, is here to discuss her character and her work on the show and to help us deconstruct this extraordinary episode. Welcome, Olivia. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Before I turn things over to Danny for the interview, uh, Olivia, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your character, Alice, and how you got involved with the show? Yeah, I'm. So I play Alice Quinn, and ooh, Alice is a complicated one. Um, I fell in love with Alice right away. I got sent the pilot script. Um, for the pilot and I just saw the name The Magicians on it and I was like, oh, I wanna read this. this, this is right up my alley. And I read it and they're like, we want you to read for Julia. So I prepped for Julia and I went in and I met with the producers and the director, um, Mike Cahill, and um, did the scene and did it. And then we're all just sitting there and we're like, maybe Alice mm. is better. And I was like, oh, thank God, because Alice <laughs> who, I really related to when I read the pilot. I was like, oh, this is this is the kind of person I want to play. It's, it's somebody who is very similar to my personality, and it's not something that people uh, normally hire me for. So um, I like had like 20 minutes to prep all these sides, all these scenes with Alice and then and memorize them really quick and went back in and just apparently nailed it because I got the part. <laughs> Great. But um, I think that happens when it's a character that really speaks to you. So it just kind of like lines up perfectly. And I love Alice. I read the books right away. I, I started reading the first book um, during the audition process and fell in love with Alice and Quentin's story. I think it's, to me, it's the heart of his journey. Um, you know, it is the triangle between the three of them, between Julia and Quentin and Alice. But the the relationship between Quentin and Alice is what attracted me to the story to begin with. And then magic ended up being like a bonus on top of it. But mm. I just think Alice is a really complex character and I was excited to have like basically like an onion that I could peel back the layers over the course of several seasons. I don't, you know, yeah. sometimes it's very flat, the characters and you know what they are and that's just kind of what they are. And it's, just, and on this, I really wanted to like have put like little tiny, you know, things in throughout the first season that I know will come in the second season and that things that I did in the second season, I hope pay off, you know, if I get to come back later and all that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> well, she's a great character and I think you play her really well. We I'm are so saying, happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Alice is awesome. She I don't is. dress myself, <laughs> Like Alice, I'm such a tomboy and I'm not at all but I'm, I'm an introvert like Alice, so I get it on that level. But she she dresses way better. <laughs> well, I think Danny has some questions for you, Olivia. So I'm going to turn over to her for a little bit. 
Yeah, so it's funny that you mentioned that you are a lot like your character because we've heard from multiple sources, including Lev Grossman himself, that you are a lot like Alice. (laughs) (laughs) He said that at Comic-Con, and I was so shocked because I've not had that conversation with Lev yet because he's like a pretty... He's a pretty private person as well, even though we all talk to him, but like I was too scared to ask. I was anything like what he imagined Alice to be. And I was very flattered when he said I was a lot like the character. Well, get a few <laughs> myself. Get a- I'm worried about Alice. <laughs> <laughs> get a few drinks in him and you might get him to, to become yeah. more of a, a Janet. Yeah. That's true. I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that he's a private person, to be honest. <laughs> no a complex person which is why I think he wrote such amazing books that are like yeah. really personal but he's yeah loves <laughs> one of my favorite people <laughs> we, we we feel that too so um what is it about Alice um from either the books or the script that you identify with most um well I wasn't born into a magical family unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> but I did grow up in a household that embraced the supernatural stuff so I don't know. I grew up on a ranch with my family on my grandma's ranch with my grandmother and my grandma is kind of crazy. Like, um, I don't think I'd say self-proclaimed witch per se, but like somebody who definitely believes in magical stuff. So I was kind of raised around thinking that that was normal. And I was also homeschooled on top of it. So I kind of had like a, I don't know, I had a really wonderful childhood, but it really embraced my imagination. Mm. Um, like for my birthdays growing up, I'd have seances and things like that. So I relate to the fact that Alice grew up around a world in which that embraced the magical realm. So that's cool. I relate to her on that level. And also she's not very social and I'm definitely not a social person. Um, And in this business, it's forced me to become better at it. Like situations like this and doing press kind of force you out of your your, uh, comfort zone. But like, uh, if I had my way, I'd be on top of a mountain and never come down. So I think that's a lot of what Alice feels as well. Um, I don't know. I just get her. Yeah. I, I get, I mean, like maybe I don't get the, like, I know when people read the books, they get an idea of who these characters are and that's in their head, what they are in their reading. And when I read the material, uh, then when I got the script, I had an idea of what Alice was and hopefully it aligns with the readers of the books. Um, I think some people, some people it didn't right away, but then eventually it becomes like what you imagine, what you see on TV ends up becoming the characters you think. But, um, I don't know. I just get Alice. I'm stubborn. I think that's it. (laughs) I'm the most stubborn person I know. And so is Alice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least for me, I think that you definitely bring the Alice I saw in the books to life. So thank you. Good. I don't get to play characters like her very often. So it's nice. (laughs) I like, I, I think it took a while to kind of get into the character, which had like nothing to do with you or your portrayal. It's just like the way that they unfolded the characters was yeah. very different. So that's kind of shocking to people at first. But like, especially with your moments with with Quentin, like it just feels like I'm reading the book and yeah. it's just like I'm seeing it. And it's so beautiful because those are like some of the most beautiful moments in the book are between Alice and Quentin. Yeah. Well, that was really important to Jace, Jason and I. Like, we're, we worked mostly together on the, in the first season. And um, we would bring our books to set with us in, in between takes or while they were setting up scenes. We were in our trailer reading passages from the book. <laughs> I mean, constantly reading passages from the book because we wanted to keep the spirit of these scenes. Because 
we knew that the show was changing stuff that was happening in the books because you just have to, you know, it's just, it's completely different medium television. So we would have to sacrifice certain moments that weren't in the scripts and then find ways of like pulling the mood that we got from the book and into a scene that doesn't exist in the book or, you know, making sure that if we're doing a scene from the book, it feels like we felt when we read it. And that was really important to Jason and I. So one thing that I've noticed is that a lot of the lines that were Janet's in the books or Alice's in the books have been swapped, which is a really interesting choice. I'm kind of curious what you think about that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I can't control the writers, but (laughs) they make interesting choices. And, you know, I mean, honestly, when I first got the material, some of the scripts, I'd be like, well, wait, but where's the scene between Alice and Quentin that this happens or how did you change this? And cause I'm so, I'm such a fan of the books that I was like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> but then I realized in the long run, the payoff for that and, and the way it weaves into all the stories, it always works out. And, and now I think it's exciting that we get to, to veer away from the books because mm-hmm. it allows for all these beautiful stories that didn't exist in the books. Like Penny was such a small character compared to what he is now. And, you know, Jade's character, Katie was like a sentence in the book. So I just trust that they know what they're doing and that, you know, it all works out. But yeah, I get sad sometimes when stuff in the books isn't in the show, of course. (laughs) What's probably the thing that you miss the most that you wanted to film but didn't get to? Hmm. Um, I think one of my favorite chapters in the books was um, the, the chapter where the threesome happens and, and where Alice doesn't, you know, where she goes and cheats on him and, and with Penny, like that whole chapter is so beautiful to me, like with them down at the breakfast table. And like, I don't know, there's like a whole chapter that feels like one morning in the, in that cottage. Um, sometimes I wish that scenes in the show could just like one episode of the show could just be mm-hmm. one scene from the book. I think Jason and I are constantly fighting for that, but that's not how television works. <laughs> But it would be nice to to do that. I don't know. I can't remember the exact details. I haven't read that chapter in a while, but I don't know. I know what you mean, though, about like stretch, being able to stretch out. and yeah. Our episodes are packed full of stuff. It'd be nice yeah. like, to have... Like, I know Jason once um, pitched like in episode seven of the first season when we turn into geese. He's like, okay, so for the next episode, can I just read the passage from the book when we're geese for the whole 30 minutes of the TV <laughs> show and they're like no Jason that's not how television works <laughs> tell him he should record that and put it on YouTube because we would all watch oh my that God. Jason Ralph would absolutely love to do that if he could just sit in a room next to a fireplace and read passages from the book <laughs> he'd be so happy um, I think he should reread the audiobook I think we would all be very happy about that oh, yeah that'd be brilliant <laughs> I listen to the audiobooks sometimes when I'm working like in my trailer I'll have the audiobooks play but now it's weird because that's not who I envision the voice to be when I'm hearing him say the character's voices. But, you know. <laughs> audiobooks are really hard. <laughs> yes, they are. I've, I've recorded some audiobooks and I'm like, I just feel so like, oh God, what if this isn't the voice they want? Danny, you have actually, one of those. I actually do. I haven't listened to it yet. I, oh. I literally was like, I wanted to, to buy it. I was like, I saw that you were voicing on it because I had Audible and I was just like, I have to buy this, but I still haven't listened to it. Cause those books are awesome. They're really great. <laughs> Which books are they? The Illuminae series. I don't know what the second one. I'm so bad. I forget what the second one's called. It just came out though. Gemini. <laughs> but they're like science fiction fantasy. They're really fun. Cool. It's like aliens, right? It's, yeah, kind of. 
<laughs> cool. We should read them in my. I have a science fiction and fantasy book club, so we should oh, read them there. Oh, you should totally read them. They're really fun. It's the hardest job I've ever had is recording audio. Like I'm an actor. I'm not an, a voice voiceover artist. So that was just really difficult. <laughs> Danny, did you have another question? Yeah. Um, so we we have been talking about Jason. So are you guys close friends in real life? Yeah, Jason is a good friend. I mean, I live in Los Angeles, and he, him and his wife live in New York. So I don't get to see him really outside of when we're working, but. We had instant chemistry the moment we first met, and we became friends right away. And it was just like a perfect meeting of the minds about the material. And we had the same thoughts on how we wanted everything to go. And we work so well together. And it's it's like such a pleasure to work with Jason. Um, I think on this show, they did a really good job of hiring serious actors who hadn't done like television series like this, but a lot of plays and movies and like had a lot of weight to the work they had done. And so they brought that kind of um, intensity to a TV series, which is what a lot of television is now is like really good acting and writing. And I think on this show, these actors care so much about the material and want to do it just that um, it's, it's really fun to work with the whole cast, but Jason's great. He's so Quentin. Um, (laughs) I think we all get defensive when people accuse us of being our characters, but I mean, we're all totally (laughs) a lot like our characters, but there's pieces of us that are not like our characters, but (laughs) who's the the least like their character? Hmm. It's either Summer or Hale. Like, really? Hale. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like Hale is, much more gentler than Elliot and like Hale's not a drinker or partier. Like he's like this gentle, beautiful creature walking around the earth. (laughs) And then he plays Elliot. Who's like this flamboyant, like crazy party animal, but the spirit of them are the same. And then summer, summer, especially in season two, she goes a little nuts, which is not like summer at all. But I mean, the pieces of our, you know, it's all pieces of us that come out and they start writing for who we are too. So it all just kind of melts together. And before you know it, you don't know who you are at the end of the day. (laughs) I've actually been noticing that like Margo in season two is just a lot more like Janet than Margo was in season one. Yeah. Well, I think once you get to live with these characters for so long, you get really comfortable with them and, I think we all wanted to grow at the right pace, like our characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she's done a really good job of like slowly becoming that character. Like, I think that's, what's interesting is all of these characters started in one place and we've slowly grown into who we are now in season two, and it'll continue to grow into different characters instead of just saying the same character for six seasons, you know, which is yeah. hard to stomach sometimes with Alice because in the beginning of season one, like I knew where I was going to take her. And so it was kind of hard to like keep everything bottled up inside. And <laughs> you needed one of those little emotion bottles from. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like it's easy for some of you guys. Cause it's like stayed really close to the source material. I feel for Stella, it has to be really hard because hers has just never happened in the book. <laughs> Not like that. Yeah, I mean, Stella has done a really beautiful job with Julia, and I feel like she gets the short straw sometimes with her Her story is just so much darker than the stuff that we're going through, I mean, currently. So, I mean, for Alice, I mean, Alice is dead, so <laughs> that's pretty bad. 
But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think we're all doing stuff that doesn't happen in the books, but yeah, Stella has her plate full with stuff and she has a lot of dark days, which is so funny because Stella is such like this happy little sun child. And um, then she has to go to work and play Julia, who's having, is always having a perpetually bad day. Hmm. Yeah. Um, how did you go like feel about going from very mousy Alice to like Niffin Alice? Cause Niffin look, looks like so much fun. Well, it was awesome. I mean, Niffin Alice is way more the kind of characters I'm attracted to and I normally play. It's like <laughs> crazy, powerful, um, live wire type characters. And with Alice, I had to like constantly stop myself from my impulses um, because Alice does. So I knew going in to season one that I was going to have to be quiet and I knew that she was going to be prejudged as like, I don't even know... I've read some nasty things on the internet about Alice in the beginning, but it's all worth it because I wanted her to grow. I wanted her to start at a certain place. I guess you could call it mousy Alice and then turn into something else, a different entity. So when I got to finally be there, even if it was short lived, it was super fun because she is the most powerful one in the bunch naturally. So um, it was fun with that short amount of time to figure out how to play, you know, magic at its best, I guess. I mean, she doesn't, when she's sniffing, she doesn't give a shit about anybody else or anything. And she, and a drop of a hat would kill the person she loves. So that's, that's a fun thing to try to internalize, even if it's only for a few minutes. I think that might be a good point for us to get into the episode itself. Um, so why don't I play that scene? Is that okay, Danny? Sure. You're not even a real magician, are you, Martin? You're just a scared little boy. You wouldn't last an hour at break bills. Jesus, Alice is going full Harry Potter part seven slash eight over there. Oh God, I hope we're winning. Damn it! What are you doing? No, Alice, don't stop. I don't What is she doing? She can't. She'll nip out. This is not good, Alice. <laughs> Alice, stop. It's okay. I've got this Alice, no! Yeah, so this was a huge episode for Alice. Olivia, what was it like to film this episode, and what was it like to watch it afterward? That was so intense, just listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this was one of my favorite episodes. Obviously, it was it was a very exciting episode for me to shoot, and exhausting. I mean, we we only had a couple days to shoot the beast fight scene, and because because of, of a TV schedule, and you know, in a movie that would have taken 
at least a week or so to shoot. So it all happened very fast. So it was, it was exhausting and, and very exciting. It was, it was fun to take this character who in the beginning was just like a, a meek little school girl and turn her into basically a powerful God all in one scene. And I don't know. I just, I kept rereading the chapters in the Mm -hmm. chapter in the book when she fights the beast, which is so epic in the books. And I love that. I wish I could have turned into a dragon in that scene and all that stuff, but that's like ridiculously expensive. So, (laughs) um, um, so I wanted to capture the spirit that was in that. And so I kept rereading the lines, uh, the conversations between her and the beast in the book and tried to bring that spirit to the scene. I think in the original script for that episode, I don't know. I think I, I added some lines. I approached the writers and were like, let me take him down a little more. Like, tell him he wouldn't last to break bills and, like, stuff mm. like that. The lines that I was like, please let me say this. Like, I want to take him. I don't just want to physically take him down. I want to verbally take him down. So that was all you? Yeah. Oh, it, they're great choices. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Um, I mean, they wrote a really beautiful episode, but yeah. I was so obsessed with trying to get as much from the books into this one scene and... Charles, who plays the Beast, is so amazing mm-hmm. and powerful and totally there with you while you're doing it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was also really sad because I knew it was coming. I knew that she wasn't going to make it out alive. So it was a whole mix of emotions. It was a very exhausting couple of days. <laughs> Do you feel like that buildup, um, that knowing it was coming, contributed to the way that um, you built up Alice's character to change in the episodes before that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I try really hard to paint a very specific picture with her, even if it's all in my head and nobody else notices it. But if it were me, I would have liked it. Like if I was Alice, I probably would have, when Quentin told me I was the one, like started becoming more powerful in that moment at the end of season two. But like, she takes her time growing and believing in herself it's really hard for Alice to believe in herself so sometimes like as Olivia I'd be like oh I just wish Alice was already there but I knew that I have to like keep holding on until the moment when she basically explodes at the beast is when she finally becomes the person that she always was all along um it was really sad day because like Quentin or Jason and I normally like spend a lot of time checking in with each other before scenes and making sure we're on the same page and like right before a scene we normally look at each other and we're like okay ready and go and on that day we like couldn't because it was too sad we'd start crying because we knew that Alice wasn't gonna make it so yeah was there ever a version where Alice survives a bit longer (laughs) um I don't know not to my the only script I got and I have no idea if there was ever probably I mean the writers write many different versions of everything, so who knows? Yeah, a lot of people were actually very um, surprised that they did it so soon because we feel like we haven't had that long with Alice. And in the books, it's like you get like, you know, five years with her before she dies. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, d- I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when. Like, we get the scripts about a week out of shooting, so I didn't know <laughs> that it was <laughs> When I read it, I was like, oh, the third episode. Okay, that was fast. <laughs> oh, they didn't they didn't tell you, like, a few episodes before? Um, no, I mean, I knew that it was going to happen this season, and I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know how long they were going to stretch out the fight with the Beast, like, yeah. if we were going to get him for a whole other season. Um, so, yeah. no, I didn't know he was coming. It was kind of a shock, but um, I was ready for it. I mean, I signed on to the project knowing the fate of my character. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. They've done some, you know, 
it's the Alice that we know is definitely gone, but that doesn't necessarily mean you won't see me again in one shape or form <laughs> down the line. So well, wink, wink, read the books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> um, definitely read the books. Speaking of those, um, I don't want to spoil too much, but if there's anything from magician's land that you could film, like, are you excited for that? If that happens? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the third book. The third book is such a spiritual it's my journey. Favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite. Too. I love it. I love all the stuff between Quentin and Nip and Alice in that book. And uh, oh my God, I don't know. I would love to shoot it all, but there's, I can't get attached to scenes or storylines because, or timelines on the show because I never know what the creators are going to do with it. So kind of. Mm-hmm like sit and wait and hope (laughs) i'm kind of like part of me wants it to happen like right now because we don't want you to leave and then part of me is just like no we need the payoff of waiting a little while yeah Uh, yeah it's hard (laughs) it's got to be hard for you too waiting yeah (laughs) the creators john and sarah like we talked about it in the very beginning that there's going to be a time when i probably won't be working and if i was okay with that and i'm like yeah because that's my favorite part of the books i mean quentin we wouldn't have a third book if quentin wasn't looking for alice and you know like it's such a big part of the heart of the story is is that journey so so tell me what is your favorite part of the of all three books that's a big question i know i'm sorry (laughs) that's a hard one to answer oh (laughs) i don't know doesn't even have to be with your character. It can be anything. Yeah, exactly. That's a tough one. Because I, like, run my head, like, through my head of all this all this stuff in the books, and I just can't. Like, I love the whale scene. I love all the whale stuff that's in the books when they turn into whales. Like, I love any of those kinds of journeys. I love the geese. I love the spiritual journeys that they go on shaped in, like, these magical forms. So, I don't know. But I love the beast fight, honestly. I love how that's written in the books. Yeah. It's such a badass scene in the books. So check that one off the list. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one more question that I just want to work my way in there before Go for it. I don't. Yeah. So we've both met Lev and we talked to him and I just happened to, like I had to know cause it's pretty ambiguous. And I was just like, so like, do you think Quentin and Alice end up together and that they're happy? And he says that he eventually thinks they, they get there. Is that how you feel? Yeah. Oh, see, you're braver than I am. I haven't even asked him that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think so. I think Alice and Quentin are bound together. Like they're like magnets that can't keep away from each other no matter what. And I like to think that they're good for each other. Um, I don't think they're good for each other all the time. So that's why I think it's valuable that there's times when they're not together. But I think in the end, they're going to end up becoming whole human beings that are good together. You know, like they say, two whole human beings to have a good relationship, not like two halves. And I think they've been like two quarters and now they're like working their way up. And I think eventually they'll, I think, I hope so. I I love that. That's that's a a beautiful answer. That's a good way to put it. Wow. Nobody's ever (laughs) asked me that. Oh, now I miss them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So, um, as Danny mentioned, you and Jason have a lot of chemistry, which really comes out in this season and especially in this episode. So I'm going to play a clip of the scene that I'm thinking of. And it's a little bit long, so just to warn you. Hey, thought exercise. Say we kill the beast. 
Uh, what then? Quentin, I don't know. It's just, it's a distraction. Come on. Oh. Um. <clears throat> I would, um. I need an ice cream sundae. With whipped cream and fake rainbow-colored sprinkles and gummy bears on top. That is exactly how I like my ice cream. Probably gonna try and win you back. <laughs> Jesus, Quentin. I'm sorry, it just sort of flew out of my mouth. You know, I'm not a prize. I know that, but you know what I mean? No, and you didn't just lose me like keys. I know, which is why I feel like I need to earn back your trust. Oh, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. You can't trap me in here. You can't trap me in here and expect me to deal with all this heavy emotional shit when all I can handle right now, all I can handle right now is a goddamn ice cream sundae, okay? It's not a trap. Yes, it is. Then why does it sound like you're trying to fight with me? Look, you've changed, okay? You are not the girl that I met a million years ago. You are amazing. And not that you weren't amazing before, but... Quentin, why are you crying with this? You've grown. And you're still growing, and my point is that I am too. Are you saying you're not that guy anymore? No, I'm saying that I'm not just that guy anymore, and I and I and I think that you. Should, I hope that you give me the opportunity to, to be better, and and actually deserve you. And I know that that sounds stupid, but I just I, I feel like we could die in like an hour, and it's giving me a lot of clarity right now. Also, I'm gonna make you the best ice cream sundae you've ever had. You're gonna forget popper number one, and I'm even gonna put um, gummy bears on it, even though you don't understand how absolutely disgusting that is. Quentin. I'm sorry, I just uh, was in the moment. Do you still wanna fight? Yeah, so this is such such a beautiful scene, such a powerful scene, so emotional. When I think, right, like that's that's the big thing about the season is that Alice in season one is bottling up so much. So what was it like for you as an actor to film this scene? Well, I think that was my favorite scene to shoot in the episode. It was like the B scene was super fun and great, but um, the carriage scene was the most fulfilling because it's so tragic. <laughs> It's like Alice knows that she, there's a very good chance she's not going to make it. So I don't know. It was, it was fun to play a scene that was trying to avoid talking about what's actually happening, Mm. you know? Yeah. Like distract by talking about the ice cream and gummy bears, which is, I think such a lovely way of, of playing it. But uh, no matter what, like she can't contain how she actually is feeling. And she spends her whole life pushing her emotions away and pushing away her feelings towards everything. And she just can't really do it anymore because she's she knows that she's possibly going to die. And she just can't. And she's just a raw nerve in this scene. And Jason and I worked on it. I mean, it was a really busy shooting week. That was when we were shooting the uh, beast fight. And then we had to, like, just splinter off and go shoot this carriage scene um, like on one of the same days. So it was wow. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> So Jason and I rehearsed it and worked on it over lunch and like just connected with what these characters 
how these characters feel about each other. And we both know so well how they feel about each other. And I don't know, it just worked. It, the scene just worked. Like we just did it and it was all there on just below the surface and it was a really lovely experience. Sometimes when you go into emotional scenes, you don't know if you're going to have it, you know, you don't know what day you woke up, you know, that morning, how you woke up, if you're going to have an emotional day or not. And it just, it worked out really well. Jason does a beautiful job and I don't know. I love that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> That's so sad listening to it. Yeah. That's basically where I started crying when I first watched <laughs> the episode and then just proceeded to sob the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, to be honest, kind of impressed that neither of us has broken down crying while talking to you about this right now. <laughs> it's um, a scene. It was heartbreaking on paper yeah. when we read it. Um, when we were reading it as like a read through with the whole cast, I was like, Oh no, this it. (laughs) Well, and it's sort of what you said that you knew going into this too, right? Like you guys knew that Alice was going to die at the end of this episode. Yeah. And that's sort of what that scene is about though. I kind of wonder, when do you think Alice decides that she's going to sacrifice her for herself for Quentin? Cause it does seem like it's an intentional decision and she says it is. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, as the actor, I decided early on in the episode, like as soon as we knew what we were doing, you know, so before the garage scene, I think Alice decided if it comes down to it, she'll sacrifice herself because she knows she's the one who has mm-hmm. to do that. She knows about how to turn into an infant. She knows how to magic. She knows how to magic really hard because she's good at it and she's God powered. So I think she calculated that if things come down to it, that was what she would do. And then I think in the carriage scene, when she's facing the person that she loves and kind of why she's even gone on this journey, because she didn't really want to meet up with these people and make friends with them, but she kind of fell in love with all of them and especially Quentin. So I think she's face to face with the choices she's made and, and now she has attachments to somebody and that's something she's tried to avoid. And I think she just goes back and forth with her decision and, you know, she doesn't know if she's going to die, but I think I personally think for me as an actor doing the scenes that she knew going into it, that she would go that far if she had to. And then in the moment in the B scene, you know, she knows if she doesn't do that, he's going to kill everybody. So I think she's so self-sacrificing and in the end becomes the hero, which um, becoming the hero as the female um, is exciting for me as an actor and uh, tragic. There's a lot in that, in that conversation in the carriage too. There's a lot of moments where she, she has these really, great like feminist lines where she says things to his face I am not a prize to be won you didn't lose me like keys it's so powerful it's such powerful writing and I think um our showrunner Sarah who (laughs) is definitely a feminist and a powerful woman like we all come to the table with like how can we play these women powerfully and that doesn't necessarily always mean making good decisions like sometimes they make awful decisions like humans do but then coming around to finding their power. And I think Alice has always been very powerful. Um, She just doesn't quite know what to do with it or how to have it come out. And I think in that scene, she's just holding her ground and wants her voice to be heard with Quentin. And she's not letting him get away with anything that, you know, they've been on the beginning of this season, they're on a journey. So they really haven't had time to deal with their shit and their, and their feelings towards each other. So we've kind of had to like put it in the back seat, and now they're facing each other and have to deal with it because this might be the last moment. So I think she's just like, nope, don't you can't don't tell me what I am or what you did. This is this is how I feel. I love that. As women should. 
the women in this show, just their characters, always calling men out on their bullshit. It, it's amazing. <laughs> this is a running theme. I think we were saying that about Katie in a couple episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, K- Katie's always calling Penny out on his bullshit, and I love it. So, like, <laughs> I mean, all the women, I mean, we're all such different characters, so it's so funny to, like, I mean, like, who we are in real life is different than our characters. But, like, the Katie character is, like, so obviously going to be the one to tell her, you know, the guy to shut up. Um, whereas Julie and Alice have, I think, a different complex relationship with men. You know, they all have yeah. such different relationships with men, just like all women do. And it just, like, comes out in different ways, which I think is a fun thing for the women to all be very different. Yeah. And how their feelings towards well, and the men. I think, I think that's what makes it so powerful is that you see so many different versions of what is fundamentally the same, like the same interaction and the same emotional content. Like it's so like, I think if it were me, like I'm much more of a Katie, I will put somebody in there (laughs) right away. So with Alice, it's fun to play somebody who's going to wait six episodes to actually tell you how she feels. It's (laughs) true. I'm definitely more of an Alice when it, when it comes to relationships. (laughs) The thing, that's so interesting to me though is it doesn't come across at all as passive aggressive right like I think a lot of times if you have that waiting it feels like somebody has sort of let something slide and that's not what it is with Alice it just feels like she's processing and taking her time she's very calculated I mean Alice is way smarter than I am like I mean, first of all, like I didn't even graduate high school. I didn't go to college. I don't have the brain that Alice has. I have a different kind of brain than her. So it was fun to find how she thinks. And I think with her, like her brain is extremely organized and she can put things on the side and, you know, compartmentalize her feelings. And, and that's something that I don't know how to do. So it was fun to figure out how to play that. Hopefully it comes across that way. Hopefully it doesn't just she just has nothing going on, but I just, I like the idea that of a character who is, keeps most of it in, inside. I don't think you could play Alice the way that you do and be so successful with her, which I really think you are if you weren't smart. So I'm calling you on that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a very different upbringing it's, with education. It's different. It is. It's a, we've, we've all discussed in the fandom many times about how we would never get into break bills because we're not smart enough so we <laughs> so we fe- we feel that it's like a different level of intelligence yeah and there's a lot of emotional intelligence which i think is a lot of what you were saying it's and coming into that emotional intelligence which is really hard. i mean i'm an emotional person like, i'm an hell cry every day of my life so yep. like tapping into that part of her it's just it's more just like uh, shaping it into what I think this person's emotional journey is. Yeah. Um, which is the fun part about being on a TV show. When I do a movie, like you only get, which you only get a certain amount of scenes to tell this person's story. And on a show, you can like continue to grow and develop all those yeah. things and like take your time, yeah. which is nice. Okay. So I, I think I have to move us along because otherwise we're going to go over time and I don't want to do that to you. So we usually have a segment where we talk about fashion and okay. I have it on very good authority. So this is from uh, Lionel Herbert, who I think he's a dolly on the show. Is that right? Yeah, he's a dolly grip. I love Lionel. <laughs> he told me to smile at you, but I can't see you right now. So just he's smiling <laughs> at you. Um, I have it on good authority from him that you've had a lot of input and influence on Alice's style and her clothes. What do you think wardrobe tells us about a character? And what's it like working with the costume department on The Magicians? Our costume department is amazing. Magali, who's our costume designer, is a genius. Um, I think the costumes on the show are fantastic, and I 
with Alice, it was like a long process of figuring out the look for her because she's kind of in an arrested state. Like she's a child when we meet her and she wears these, you know, schoolgirl clothes because that's where her mind is really. Like she hasn't really socially developed beyond that. And that's where she's comfortable. And so like finding clothes that fit that and then slowly taking that same style over the arc of two seasons and keeping her fashion sense, but like maturing it as we go um, at the same pace as Alice was our goal. Hmm. So even though I would never dress like Alice, um, it totally suits her. Like I can't imagine Alice in pants. Like we talk about it sometimes. What would happen if Alice, I like pitched this <laughs> to Sarah and I was like, can we have a whole montage of Alice trying to put pants on and she keeps putting both legs in one leg because she only <laughs> in place. Like I, I can't imagine her wearing pants. Whereas like the Julia character, you can't imagine her wearing an Alice outfit. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, I think they're really reflective of their, you know, who they are inside. And I don't know. I think Alice's outfits are um, somewhat tragic. I think they're really adorable, but they also show how sad her life was before and still is kind of because she's stuck in this little girl place where she doesn't really quite know how to fit in and become a woman. It's a really interesting take. Um, yeah. Some so, people tear it apart and think she looks like a naughty school girl, but, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but there's the, you know, there's the whole psychology behind that. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how do you think being a Niffin would affect Alice's style? So like if you were dressing her as a Niffin, what would you change? Well, I mean, that's such a complex question because when you're Niffin, you're pure magic. So, like, in the books, when she's Niffin, she's naked. Yeah, that's and true. And tries to dress her and she doesn't want it. So, but um, if we were to do that on television, you couldn't really do that. So, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I feel like it's still the same person deep down. So, she'd probably end up wearing some similar clothes, maybe just a little bit more wicked. But, <laughs> I don't know. I would hope that however I would end up playing that, it would come out as it would overpower whatever wardrobe she was wearing. Okay. So I have one last question on fashion. A lot of the characters in The Magicians have really distinctive style. If you could swap wardrobes, you, Olivia, could swap wardrobes yeah. with one other character, who would it be? Oh, Julia. I mean, Stella gets the best. <laughs> yes. We just like, man, why, why can't Alice dress like that? But that would be ridiculous. So <laughs> like she would just, she couldn't go to work in a blazer at break bills. It just like, and, sleek pants it just would never work but yeah I love Julia's style um, oh, Julia's style is like what I want so badly I just want everything she wears yeah she, she, her her style is great does Stella like steal all the clothes um <laughs> probably I don't know no I mean I think we end up like finding pieces out of our wardrobe that we love and then we end up going and find them and wearing them but you'd be amazed if you wear the same thing every day at work the last thing you want to do is wear it in the world <laughs> like Alice wears that black and white dress at the end of the season and then at the beginning of season two yeah uh, and I was so excited at first because I picked it and I was like I brought it to them and was like this looks like a, a deck of cards like this looks like what a person like a queen on the deck a deck of cards would play and we're going to become queen so I want to wear this and then I ended up wearing it for like four episodes and I could have burned it by the end like, I don't- <laughs> did, you, did you keep your crown um no we're not allowed to keep the crowns because no! they're very <laughs> they're so beautiful they are yours is my favorite too I think yours was I love crown yeah it's, it's really so beautiful. 
If it were me, I would wear Margot's crown, but Alice, the, her crown fits her. I think Margot's <laughs> crown's my favorite, but I like really like gold, and then it just reminds me of like Game yeah. of Thrones. But totally. I, I love yours as well. It's very like they're moonstones, delicate. right? Or it's supposed to be. It's what? It's like moonstone. Yeah, they're little mm-hmm. moonstones. Which really which feels like Alice to me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, there, there's a question. I think we will have time, if you don't mind. So there, yeah, there's no. a question that Danny wanted to ask uh, about Harry Potter. Okay. Oh, so oh we, I just love asking people about their Hogwarts house. Um, so where do you think you would be in a Hogwarts house? And where do you think Alice would be? Oh, man. You know, people ask that a lot, and I like. I gotta rewatch Harry Potter. <laughs> like I haven't watched in a couple years now, and I, I don't know. Have you taken? Have you- I always just say Gryffindor. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't get in. So as Olivia, so I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Do you guys be? <laughs> Oh. I, I'm a Ravenclaw, um, but I also have a lot of Slytherin tendencies. Okay. But we're the same that way. So yeah. I, mean, I bet if I were to get in, I'd be more of a Ravenclaw. But I don't know. <laughs> I got to reassess my Harry Potter knowledge. I, I talk about it so much, and then I blurred lines, and I'm like, oh wait, I I don't know. I got to rewatch it all. <laughs> have you not taken the Pottermore test? No. You should. <laughs> um, Danny can send it to you. Yeah, send yeah. me a link because I don't, I haven't taken it yet. I took the which magician's character are you test. That was which fun. magician's character were you? Alice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, <laughs> that was satisfying. <laughs> I've I've taken that one, the one that's actually written by Lev, and yeah. I I've uh, but depending on the day, depending on what mood I'm in, I always either get Quentin or Julia. Yeah, <laughs> I get I do the Julia. I usually get Janet, but sometimes really? Julia. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I think, um, there's a lot of good to Janet that people don't see. Oh, oh my gosh. The way um, Summer plays that character, oh my gosh, she's such a genius. Like, I can't even she tell is. you guys. Summer is the most fun person to watch at set because she's so quiet. And then all of a sudden, she, like, will do some, cr- I mean, you'll get to see this season, but she gets to act like a maniac and, like, out of nowhere. And even she's like, whoa, where did that come from? And she's so honestly funny without knowing it. <sighs> Nobody else could play that like she does. I'm so She's excited. Amazing. Okay, so this next section is normally where I would ask Danny who her MVP for the episode is, where she would ask mine. I think, to correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, but I think we can probably both agree that we're talking to our MVP for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it's not even because we're talking to you. Like, you can't come out of that episode and just not think that you or Alice is the MVP. Yeah, it's so it's such a powerful episode for you. So I think what I want to ask you, Olivia, is who who is the most fun for you to work with in in this particular episode? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Well, I mean, I always love working with Jason, but it was really fun to work with Charles, who plays the Beast, because mm. I really haven't had a lot of scenes with him, like we did last year, when I'm you know when he kills me at the end of the season or, you know, tries to. So I, this time I got to like spend a couple of days with him working with him and such a lovely person. And, um, it was really fun to kill him. So. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Charles, like- Charles was actually our MVP last episode because yeah. he was so <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, he's 
Oh, that character's so insane. I love it. Well, and after after we did that episode, I, I sort of looked up his what he's been in, and he's been in everything in like totally yeah. different roles. He's such a great character actor. Yeah, he's very well-rounded and accomplished character actor. Yeah. He did such a great job casting him. <laughs> so terrifying um, in the pilot. Like in the fir- when we first meet the beast, like it's so scary. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I really loved that choice. Even so, in the books, right? It's a, it's a branch. It's a floating branch, and yeah. I it didn't I didn't even realize at first that they changed it from the books because they got the emotion, the like sense behind it so well with the moths. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Whenever I show people the first episode, they're just like, and they get to the end, and then he like paints the smile and blood. They just like freak out, and they're just like, "What the fuck are you wa- like making me watch?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> what for you, by the way, is the? What do you feel about the symbolism behind the moths, especially like in that scene where Alice rips him apart, and he's literally just all moths? I mean. It reminds me of Oogie Boogie from uh, yeah. Yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That is what he reminds me of. I feel like I've thought that without actually putting two and two together many times. <laughs> I know. The moths, I love the moths because, like, when I think of a moth, I think of, like, a dark, dusty closet. And I think that that's what he represents is, like, all these dirty secrets in a closet. And, like, I finally rip them open and... <laughs> I don't know. He has a dark, dusty soul. That's the kind of stuff I think about. It's so stupid. I love <laughs> love his character, though. He's such a great villain. Like, oh he, especially like I'm so happy that the show fleshed him out because that's like always my favorite thing is like to like yeah. get to know villains. So I was just like, yeah. he's so well written. I love the idea of like, um, you know, this whole season was like making you relate to the villain. Yes. I, I just keep thinking, like, everyone is one choice away from becoming a villain, especially on our show, but in life, too. Like, you just have to make the right choices, or you can go down a dark path so fast. And I think that that's the lesson, is to, like, find the compassion behind his bad choices and why he made them. Well, yeah. and in the books, right, Quentin, there's a lot of similarities between Quentin and Martin, especially in the way that they relate to Fillory. And you're seeing more of the crossover between um, Julia and Martin in the TV show, yeah. but it's still that same thing. It's what you're saying. It's that like, I, I don't know. I kind of think of him as an anti-villain, if that makes sense, right? Like if Quentin is the anti-hero of the magicians, yeah. then the anti-villain is Martin. <laughs> I think, I think deep down, like that he wants to be a child again and wants to be good and stuff, but he yeah. just can't get over these horrific things in his brain, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Okay, so feel free to say no, and I will cut it out. Uh, but I, I just thought of something that I hadn't asked before. Can we get you to sing a little bit of the Bref- Breakfast Club song? <laughs> I, I instantly started sweating. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay, well, never mind then. It's okay. No, I, I, um, one of my biggest fears is singing in public. Like, I've really? never done karaoke. And when they brought me that script to sing um, a song, it was originally a different song. I don't remember what it was, but we didn't get the rights to it. Um, the, I was like, there's no way. There's no way in hell I'm singing. And John, our creator's like, I love musicals. There's going to be a lot of singing in our show. You're going to have to get over it. And I was like, okay. So like I figured <laughs> out, but like the, I had to figure out a way to sing it as Alice. So I had to like not make it perfect because she's going through an emotional yeah. journey. So like it was uh, trying to make her do it without sounding perfect. Not that I sound perfect. That's not what I'm saying, but like find the cracks in her yeah. voice was it really very fun. emotional. Just, the- no way I'm going to sing that right now. I'm <laughs> <scared>. <laughs> that, 
that's fine. Thank you for talking to us about it. <laughs> yeah, I love how that. See, I love that. I think it's. I love the way they work music into the emotional journey on our show. <laughs> so, I'm like, I've got like sweat dripping on my. <laughs> so <right> sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that to you. <laughs> so one more question is: Is there anything about yourself, like, that you want to say that you feel like your your fans might not know? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like nobody knows me. I feel like I'm, I'm like learning the social media thing and how okay. to have a voice on social media. Um, so I'm trying to get my, my thoughts and feelings out in the world, but, um, I don't know. I'm a weird person, man. I found a good show for me. <laughs> I, I, I can see that you're weird and I love it because I'm very weird too. Uh, which is why I actually coming back to Hogwarts houses, I would probably say that you're a Ravenclaw because they're actually so. very offbeat. Yeah, probably. Like the Luna style Ravenclaw. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's, people, people judge, you know, people judge each other really quick. And I think it's, it's hard to really get out there who you're like. And I relate to Alice on that level. Like, I think I get judged one way. And then once you get to know me, I'm a different person than you thought. But, you know, I don't know. Just weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's time for us to do our episode rating. So, Danny, what do you want to rate this episode? I think I'm going to use my first 10 out of 10. Oh, wow. Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. it was incredible. I, I love how they tricked us. They tricked us <laughs> because they're just like, oh, this is super like lighthearted, fun episode. And they're just like, bam, last 10 minutes, like you're just feeling all these things. Yeah. It such a roller coaster. Like, I can't believe we fit all of that into one episode. I know. Still- <laughs> so <Yeah>. insane. <laughs> like, you even talked about the fact that there was a whole spell sequence in the first half of the episode where everyone kills each other. <laughs> yeah, that, that was so insane, but so hilarious. Like, yeah. it was just like... I think that was the point was to like bring everyone up and then just like <laughs> into the floor and step on them by the end. <laughs> I, I love shows. I love feeling emotion. Like I was yeah. like, I even when I was tweeting and stuff, I was just like reading Alice become a Niffin is like one of the most depressing things I've ever read in my life. And then I seeing know. it, I was just like, it was even more depressing. I was just like, <laughs> I can't. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is, this one was a 10 out of 10 for me too. I've, I've said this, I don't know if I said it on the show before, but I've definitely said it before. I love all of the writers and I've I've really enjoyed every episode I've seen but I'm every single time I come across an episode where I'm like this is my favorite um so far it's written by Alonzo Myers and I think he gets like I think he he gets given some of the most emotional episodes and it's a big part of it. So yeah, he writes really good episodes for for Alice, I have found. I mean, I love all of our writers and like they get, you know, they get assigned certain episodes when the story is, you know, arcs are at a certain place. So they kind of have to write with what, where the story's at. And he's gotten some really great ones. Yeah. I think he does. I think he does Alice and Julia really well. And especially, I feel like he really gets the way they talk. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, 10 out of 10 from me too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I think, Anything that makes, like, like a, a lot of audience members, and myself included, just been like, it made us really cry, like, honest to God, yeah. cry. And I think that if it makes you honest to God cry, like, they're doing their job right. I would hope so. That's all I could ask for, it's people to be sad. And it seems like they've been pretty <laughs> upset, so that's good. <laughs> I mean, we lost 
four four characters if you include the cat. Well, plus if you include that everyone who died temporarily, seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of deaths for one episode. I know. It is. We're not afraid of that on this show, I guess. No. And the thing is, it doesn't feel cheap, which I think is what makes it so great, right? Like a lot of character deaths, you feel really, I don't know, it can feel like it's a cop out a little bit, but no, yeah. not in this show. No, not in this show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we head out, is there anything else you guys want to say about the episode, either of you? Oh, I did kind of want to discuss just like, there's a lot going on in the in the fandom about... Uh, like, everyone hates Julia for some reason. Yeah. And it's kind of ridiculous. And there, there's people actually blaming Julia for for Alice's death, even though Alice says she did it on purpose. When you hear that kind of controversy, like, how does that make you feel? Like, a, like how do you feel about Julia? Well, I mean, it really bums me out because Jella is a really wonderful person and a great actress. And so it bums me out when people hate on her character. And I, it's, it's so hard, especially in the, this genre, like fans get really emotionally attached to characters and they associate like that's who that person is. And it's not like it's Stella who's making these decisions or deciding where Julia is going to go. She just has to go with where it's written for her. So, you know, it bums me out on the level of, I wish they were kinder to her as a, <laughs> as the actress, but <laughs> Um, I think it's important that Julie is going through what she's going through right now because of where she's going to be. Um, I, I just so, keep screaming into the void, read the books. <laughs> it's so funny when people get mad at things that exist in the books. Like they're like, well, why did they have fox sex? And it's like, well, it's a really big part in chapter in the books. Like they, they think that, you know, it, it all is yeah. for a reason. And I don't know, it bums me out. I wish people were gave Julia a chance, but I mean, as Alice, Alice doesn't particularly like Julia. Um, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but that's a really complicated relationship between them. But um, she's, it's not the reason why the beast, you know, why she's dead. I mean, the, the, she was making decisions about that inevitably led to her death long before she even knew about Julia. So yeah, it kind yeah. of takes away her agency to say that it was Julia's yeah. fault. I think it's, you know, people want to blame somebody. And right now it's, it's, it's easier to blame the Julia Wicker character, but it's, you know. It's, it makes me so sad because it's like, it's this sad, like, it, it, it's like internalized, like, misogyny. I'm just like, she's going through all this stuff and and no one's really giving her stuff. a break. No yeah. one's giving her a break. And it's like sad, which is true to life, unfortunately, but also very sad. She's she's made a lot of decisions. Uh, I mean, Julia has made a lot of very dark decisions, like maybe not thinking totally clearly, but like her intentions are good. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I get it on one level because she isn't the best person right now. But, um, you know, she's doing it just like most people do from from the right place. But I guess that doesn't always excuse people's behavior. But I don't know. I wish people didn't hate on Julia so much. Well, yeah. Olivia, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you guys, it's just so fun. Uh, well, we, we've loved having you. We'd love to have you again. Maybe we can yeah, do a full interview sometime. Um, and to our listeners, thanks for joining us. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes if you haven't already. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. <laughs>
mind slot. Read the books. 